Hi, this is Nikki from Motherhood Unfiltered is going to be okay. You're listening to another podcast episode. If you like the podcast and the episode, please write a review, share with a friend, or leave a comment. You can also visit my website at www.nikkiasherbowling.com or you can visit my YouTube channel. Thank you and enjoy a new episode from Motherhood Unfiltered is going to be okay. So, John... Thank you so much for coming on to Motherhood Unfiltered. It's going to be okay. I'm excited to talk to you today and hear your story on how you started coaching and how you've lost uh, over 100 pounds and you've kept it off. Not yeah. a lot of people can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so so well, tell awesome. us a little about yourself and uh, we'll get started. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I just wanted to comment, um, when you said it's going to be okay for a moment, I forgot that's a part of the title of your podcast. And so I was thinking to myself, because, because I'm not, a, I'm not a mother and I'm coming on your podcast. Now I am a parent, I'm a father uh, and you know, uh, but I was like, yeah, yeah. Hey John, it will be okay. okay. Just calm down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so I, I have like quite a, quite a varied background. Um, uh, I, I just turned 40 recently, so we'll just, we'll get that out of the way. And I hear that life begins at 40. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm at peace with that. Um, but really spanning the last 20 years is where we, as I moved into adulthood where my adult life was really quite interesting. So I've been a nanotech researcher. So nanotechnology at university of Victoria, I've been a Marine engineer with the Navy, a power line technician, a globe trotting nomad, a traveling English teacher, a power line technician, a supplement store owner, uh, an equipment <laughs> operator in the oil field. And now I'm running an online coaching business. <laughs> I uh, knew what all of those meant, except for the nano, whatever it was. Yeah. It was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we don't, it's not, it's, it's, it sounds a lot more glamorous than it actually was. So just this really, really crazy background. But it was when I was traveling around the world that I went through an experience. Uh, we were living in South Africa at the time, and I went through a traumatic experience down there. And yeah. I really wasn't equipped emotionally to deal with the fallout from that. And right. so for me, it meant that I fell into this pattern of binge eating food addiction as a coping mechanism for my PTSD and sort of dealing with the, the trauma mm -hmm. that happened to me. Mm -hmm. And this is going back to about 2011. So right. e even back then, sometimes it's hard to like think like, boy, that sounds like so long ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I grew up in the 90s. <laughs> Why does like, <laughs> you know, this, this has happened as we get older. We're like... You know, anyone that was born... just yesterday. You wish it was just yesterday. <laughs> yeah, well, because I think about how much has changed, even in the last 10, 11, 12 years. You know, just mm -hmm. the yeah, you know, the, the pace of change has been phenomenal. But thinking about the conversations kind of around mental health and just think about how we grew up and how we were raised, and yeah. we really didn't have these conversations. And so it's not mm -hmm. a criticism of our parents or anything like that, but we just didn't know. We didn't right. So I had no tools. And so right. for, for me, food was the thing. And I didn't realize mm -hmm. in a sense what I, I mean, I obviously I started to pick up on like, this isn't helpful, but I couldn't right. seem to stop it. It was this compulsive behavior. And I gained about 120 pounds over really quite a short window of time, about a six month span. Mm -hmm. And that kind of kicked off 
probably eight years of struggle. So we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to condense those eight years to a very, very short nutshell. <laughs> but if there's little high points, if there's points you want to dig into, I'm very open about sharing my story. So I don't mind sharing any details that might be valuable for your mm -hmm. listeners. Um, but we'll just give you a very high level overview. So mm -hmm. uh, about six months after the incident, so we went back to Australia, um, lived over there where my wife is from. Uh, then we went mm -hmm. back and lived in Turkey where my brother's from. And it was there that I made the decision to, to forgive the men who had attacked me. I right. did that because I wanted to set myself free. I was I was exhausted from being angry and sort of rage filled all the time, and being triggered mm -hmm. random things and so on. Mm -hmm. But then, then then sort of the next struggle started, and that was I'd become obese. And you know, at first I was like I felt like um, an athlete trapped in a fat body <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> I used to be I, I used to be an athlete, and so I still had this picture in my head that this is who I am. And I, I developed these feelings like my body had betrayed me because I'd gained all of this weight. Right. And it really, so I started to, to really almost like, well, I did, I started to hate my own body and I became very mm -hmm. frustrated with myself. And, uh, and so I really, and then like there was mental health struggles that started as well. So depression and anxiety, and it was just this really kind of messy period of time in my life. Oh yeah. Where, and I, I, you know, it, it's this weird place you get to where it's like, I knew that something wasn't right, but I didn't know what it was and I didn't know how to fix it. I just knew I didn't want right. to be there. Right. Exactly. And so I wonder <laughs> if that's like there. a lot of people's experience. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. like a lot of people's experiences and you know, mental health is like this really big term that we use, mm -hmm. but it's very, it's very nebulous. I've been using nebulous a lot lately, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, but because it encompasses a lot. And and I think very uh -huh. often we, we view it and now I'm speaking from hindsight, but we often view it as like this black and white issue or this on off switch where you either have mental yeah. health problems or you don't when it's like it exists on a spectrum and it's not you're doomed for life. There right. are ways that we can nurture and nourish our mental health. And there are mm -hmm. things that we can do that can worsen our mental health. Like it's a spectrum, yeah. just like our physical health. And I say that to yeah. be really hopeful because if people meet me now, they, if they hear about some of the struggles I have, they're like, well, my gosh, like it doesn't seem like <laughs> it. I'm like, well, yeah, I've come a long way. I've done a lot of work to get to here yeah, where I'm, exactly. I'm at peace with these things. And, and so part of why I share my story is to give people hope. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I struggled with my weight for probably seven, eight, nine. I mean, now I want to be clear about this. I still have to manage my weight for the rest of my life. Yeah. So one thing that we don't hear talked about in the world of weight loss is our biology. So mm -hmm. when I was obese, my body had made a whole bunch of fat cells, a lot of them, millions <laughs> of them, probably. They're all still on my body because I haven't had a liposuction. They're all still there. Uh -huh. And they're there ready to be refilled on a moment's notice. So yep. if you've ever wondered why, how can I lose weight and gain it back so fast? It's because once your body makes a fat cell, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's yours for life. <laughs> it's this wonderful biological See, adaptation. Like the bank, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah no kidding. money and it just keeps giving <laughs> you more cash. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, from a biological perspective, it makes sense. It means that right. we can survive a famine. If we had to make new fat cells every time we had a period of food abundance, human beings. So a lot of the things that we struggle with around weight, uh -huh. they're actually this really helpful biological mechanism. But the problem yeah. is we're dropped into this 21st century world of like food <laughs> products and food abundance. And yeah. and, and, and so it, we're not really wired to live in this world, I think, is what it boils mm -hmm. down to. So I tried all the stuff. I tried the keto and the vegan and the paleo and the primal and the, you know, mm -hmm. all these different ways of eating. I got into the supplement industry using my chemistry background. I, I ran a supplement store. I, you know, I dealt with supplements from everywhere from like manufacturing to distribution to wholesale to retail. Mm -hmm. uh, 
consulting for supplement companies. Like I was in that knee deep in that industry. None of those things helped me. So, I mean, why do you think none of those things are, were helpful? I mean, you, you hear people say, well, it worked for me and it worked for me. It worked for him. It worked for mm-hmm. them. You know, I mean, why, why wasn't, why wasn't it working? Well, here's the thing. Most supplements don't work. That's a miss kind of yeah. a misnomer. <laughs> The the idea that it worked for me and I'll say, okay, let's chat five years from now. So, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, any kind of, any kind of supplement makes a claim of fat burning. Just, uh-huh. I don't, I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but, but if you were to jack up your metabolism, you would overheat and you would, you would uh, cook your internal organs. So any kind of fat burner can really increase your metabolism by about 60 to hundred calories a day. That's an wow. Oreo. Right. Yeah. So you yeah. think I'm taking, and, and now you're just jacking up your nervous system and making yourself unnecessarily edgy <laughs> to, to try and burn <laughs> some extra fat, right? To yeah. burn an Oreo when it's like you could eat one less. I, I'm using Oreos in this example because they're widely consumed, obviously. So, <laughs> yeah. but what I was hoping, I think in my mind was that if I take this supplement, I will lose the weight. In other words, mm-hmm. I was, I was trying to avoid the work. So I was not taking care of what needed to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And that's the real struggle. But I didn't know. Here's the, here's the kicker though. Is I didn't know what I needed to do. I, yeah, that, I mean, I think that's where we're, we're all at that, that, that point, you know, yeah. it's like, I keep doing this stuff and nothing's working, yeah. you know? So, I mean, so what did you do? I mean, how did you figure it out? Yeah. So, so yeah, this is, this is the question everybody asks and, and why they <laughs> ask it is because there's like, I would like a template. So you tell me what you did because you've been successful and I will try to replicate that. And the truth <laughs> is that won't work either because I'm no. a different person, different life and all of that. But I will say there are certain fundamental principles and, and, and it does shape, obviously it shapes the program that I run now. And if, if you know, again, we can talk about it if, if later on, if it's valuable, but mm-hmm. the biggest thing for me was not what I ate. It was not how I exercised. Uh-huh. It was changing my relationship to myself and my body. And that's wow. a little bit harder to define. Mm-hmm. But it was, and it's why I focus on what I call brain-driven weight loss now. This is not about information. This is not about specific food pairings or food groupings or cutting out food. Or it's not about that. Right. It's not about super turbo blasting, you know, booty pumping workouts, you know. <laughs> All of these things, you know, sort of get us excited for a couple of weeks. And yeah. Then we, go, then we go, this sucks. I don't want to keep doing this. Well, and it's, until it's... you see yourself in the mirror trying to do one of those exercises. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I can't do this no more. <laughs> that <Right>. was ugly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I, I, now I look back and I say, like, I have this kind of lens or this perspective that all behavior uh-huh. makes sense. And so a lot of what I share now is obviously in hindsight that I was kind of learning and figuring out at that time. But it's this idea that when we step away or when I stepped away from judging my behaviors, so instead of hating myself and being angry at myself and being angry Uh at my body for how I thought it was failing me, I took a step back. Now, obviously, I had a coach help me with this. I I wouldn't have been able to figure this out on my own. And (laughs) Yeah, he modeled for me what compassion looks like. And I think that's really, really important because I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know what. Like really, like because men don't talk about this. We don't talk no. about compassion. Right. So I mean it's being talked about more nowadays than quote unquote back in the day, you know, back in yeah. the you know, eons ago. But anyways, right. Um so but the ability to look at the behavior and say, there's a reason why I'm doing this, and it's not because I'm a hopeless loser. Yeah, that's right. 
so if we can look at the behavior without judgment with this, what I call compassionate curiosity, mm -hmm. we'll start to understand what's happening here. And if we can understand how and why it's happening, we can start to create, we can start to adjust things in order to find alternate solutions. Because we could say mm -hmm. my eating behaviors were an attempt to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, it just reminds me how we all have that, that addiction, whether it's illegal drugs or alcohol or food or shopping. Why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the thing, you know, we need to focus on. I mean, you can, if you wonder, if you figure out the why, then you can start to move forward. Well, one of the questions I hear a lot is I know what to do but I can't seem to do it. Or why do I, <laughs> why do I keep doing this when I know it's not helpful? These, I know that those Twinkies are delicious. <laughs> right. So, but that's where we, that's where we go astray is yeah. where we start to blame ourselves and create like these mm -hmm. moral or these character judgments saying, I know mm -hmm. I should do better. I know better. I'm what is wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, let's, let's look at this from a different perspective. Let's take away this idea that you're a bad human being mm -hmm. and, and move to this place of neutrality and go, let's understand why you choose to eat that Twinkie. What is that Twinkie doing for you? What is it giving you? There's clearly a benefit. That's mm -hmm. why it's happening. So yeah. what is that benefit? And yeah. what problem is it solving? Is it helping you? Like emotional eating is huge. Right. If we look at the, over the last the pandemic, like 50 percent of adults surveyed and, and millions of people surveyed have said they ate emotionally over the pandemic. The average weight gain was something like 12, 13, 14 pounds. That's the average. Many yeah. people gained over 30 pounds during during the course of the pandemic, yeah. largely attributed to stress eating. Right. So we had almost like <laughs> forced immobility, time <laughs> yeah. on our hands, super convenient, cheap access to junk food. Yeah. And a brain that's wired to desire junk food. Right. That's how we're wired. It is not a character flaw that we want calorie dense food. Because uh -huh. remember, we have a famine biology. We have a biology right. that wants to store fat. It's a security mechanism against loss of food in the future. Right. I mean, that goes back. That whole concept goes back to the beginning of man. You know, when we were... Um, hunters and gatherers that was yeah. the only thing we did was hunt for food and gather food so i, I can definitely see that yeah. how that would be a problem for us today what you think about they didn't have fridges they didn't have grocery stores yeah. they didn't have warehouses yeah. they didn't have electricity yeah you ate when you could and you ate as much as you could when you could because that right. that meat was going to decay so right. you had to eat what you could when you could and store right. up fat. You might end up not eating for multiple days at a time, but your ability to store fat meant that you could kind of absorb those periods mm -hmm. of not eating. And mm -hmm. even from fat cells, we can get water, which is quite interesting. We don't really realize mm -hmm. this, but it is possible. So we have these adaptive mechanisms, but again, we live in the 21st century world where it's like, we've done it. We've won. We've beat hunger. We've beat, you know, at least in the first world, we've beat food insecurity, mm -hmm. but now our brains are being hijacked. We're being taken advantage of here. So food companies are not dumb. They know what they're doing when they're manufacturing <laughs> these foods to create a specific response in your brain. And yeah. it's one that you will struggle to regulate. Mm -hmm. It's deliberate. They, they take test people and they want these food products to be addictive. 
-hmm. I mean, Philip Morris, I don't know if you know Philip Morris, tobacco company. Well, guess what? They also own a whole raft of food products. Why? Because, well, hey, cigarette sales are down. We need something new and addictive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Well, what about corn syrup? Man, that is a demise to our whole. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, we could we could pick on like any number of sort of boogeymen from sugar to corn syrup. To, I know, I know. And 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 it's it's true that it's mm -hmm. the increase in our consumption or food supply is problematic. But I try to look at it like from a bigger scale and then say, okay, well, how are we going to solve this problem? Because you know, right. I don't see corn syrup disappearing from our food supply. And if I yeah. try to tie you into a straitjacket and say you're never going to consume it again, like nobody goes out hunting for corn syrup, right? But the same <laughs> token, if I put you in a straitjacket and say you're never going to eat, you know, a Twinkie again, or you're never going to eat chips or whatever, your brain's going to go nuts and go, want to bet? <laughs> I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> right, exactly. And we have to say, okay, if we're going to do this in the real world, mm -hmm. we have to work with our brain the way our brain works. Yeah. How, and that's the, and that's the question is how do we do this? And so this is why mm -hmm. I'm having like entirely different conversations with people around weight loss that I'm not hearing talked about anywhere else. Right. Yes. We'll talk about what you eat, but that's, that's only one part of it. So like yeah. I talk about the, the science of metabolism. Yeah. That matters. But the psychology mm -hmm. of behavior change and the compassion of human connection, we need all of those elements if we're going to create transformation, because really the goal is to, you know, like, I go back to kind of kind of what I do is help mm -hmm. you reverse engineer your healthy lifestyle. So you know how you, you asked, well, um, what did you do? So you're kind of looking for that template. What did you do so I can copy you so I can get those similar results? And that's a natural thing to do. The, the idea that success leaves clues. So right. what I did is I, I took a step back and went, okay, instead of trying to hand people a meal plan, instead of trying to hand them a template, say, right. why, don't, why don't we do this? We'll start with a principle. You try to apply that principle. You uh -huh. You see how it works, if it works, if it doesn't, how do we adjust uh -huh. it? And so oh, then okay. we, we adopt this mindset. It's like the, the dial versus the switch. Instead of mm -hmm. this isn't working, switch it off. It's turn the dial and adjust it until we find a way that works for you. And so you end up building your own, like we re reverse engineer, really, your own healthy mm -hmm. lifestyle that works for you. And because you have, a, have had an active hand in shaping it, Mm -hmm. Well, now, now it's going to be yours to stick because it, it, let's say if I just imposed my rules on you and said, this is what I did. So you have to do this. You have to do what I say, cause I'm the guru. And I said, <laughs> you have to do it. You know, well, the moment, the moment I'm not in your life, like that's gone. And yeah. so it's like, if, if, if whatever approach you're trying to take has an expiry date, well, so yeah. does like w whatever results you get. So I'm like, let's help, you know, you, for example, and I'm sure if you, if this is even something you're trying to do, but like let, whoever I'm working with, it's like, let's help you to, uh -huh. to create this. That is yours. It is your lifestyle. It is your yeah. plan. It is tailored to you so that you can keep doing it because ultimately what good is it to lose? Cause we can starve anybody into weight loss, you know, yeah. tie, it, oh, yeah. tie, <clears throat> tie you to a tree for three months and you'll lose weight. <laughs> but once we untie you, you're heading for the nearest buffet. I want to chew my arm off. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense because I know like in the past when I've done weight loss things, they're like, well, eat this food and eat that food. And I'm like, I think I've never eaten those before. Mm -hmm. And you try and you're like, no wonder you lose weight. This is disgusting. You know, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. so I mean, yeah. if you fit it to my lifestyle, you know, and how I operate in my head, I can see how that would be more 
successful because you're not just doing a diet, you're doing a whole lifestyle yeah. change. Right. And yeah. I think that's what a lot of people need. It, yeah. I mean, I call my program Lifestyle 180 and it, I'm, I'm yes. so chuffed because I think it's this clever name because it's 180 days and, it, <laughs> and a 180 is like a change in direction. So we say, uh -huh. and, and I, I love pictures and analogies. So here's what I think about it. It's like, I help you co-write a couple chapters in your story. That's really what yeah. it boils down to. Like I'm with you for yeah. a few months, maybe six or nine months or something like that. And, uh -huh. but, but by helping you co-write a couple of chapters, we change the ending of your story. So instead mm -hmm. of heading down this path, mm -hmm. say chronic disease and illness and ill health and so on, mm -hmm. we're going to put you on the path to like vibrant health, like energy, doing the things you enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say like weight loss is a doorway. It's not a destination. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to express in that is weight loss is like a proxy goal. It's not really what we're looking for. Okay. You know, it's, it's I, I want more energy. I want to feel confident. I want to wear the clothes I want to wear. Um, right. I want to play with my kids. I want to play with my grandkids. I don't want my joints to hurt. Like I want to live life more right. fully. Right. Because I think also we kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater when we kind of said weight loss bad. Well, it's like, well, no, <laughs> the approaches we were trying to take to help people accomplish weight loss, they were the problem. Right. Yeah, exactly. But obesity still remains a problem. We can yeah. try to pretend it's not, but it's like, no, the approaches of like, you're a bad person. You're, you know, you're a character fit, you know, you're, you're an idiot or you're stupid or you have no willpower. No, whatever blame. <laughs> no, no, no. So we were taking the wrong approaches to this, but it's like, okay, gotcha. we need to take an entirely different approach. And so I call it, you know, my compassionate curiosity. If we start Aww. with all behavior makes sense, let's mm -hmm. try to understand the behavior. And because, you know, even, even if I, even if lifestyle 180 by itself is like the most amazing program, I, I obviously I think it's great. It's, it's my program. I'm slightly biased and so on, but <laughs> it's the best program out there. <laughs> right. But, but by itself, uh -huh. you know, the information there, as good as it is, you, you probably wouldn't necessarily be successful because there's a human element really needed in this. And that's why coaching is right. still a thing. Right. We, right. Go, we, we live in the age of Google. Like, I don't, like, I think I'm presenting information maybe in a unique way through my unique mm -hmm. lens, but mm -hmm. I, I'm not necessarily presenting some, something that nobody's ever said before. Right. Right. So if information was the problem, Google would have solved it. <laughs> like Google's going to solve anything. <laughs> yeah. So, so we say, so again, it's like, it's not an issue of information. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I have some secret that nobody else has ever thought about. Right, right. I, but I have maybe a unique approach to it. And exactly. I work with you the way that your brain works, as opposed to, you know, this idea of trying to force you to do something that I told you to. And if you don't do it, I make you feel guilty. And, you know, like, like, that's not, and that's not, a tree. <laughs> that's not, that's not human. That's not working with yeah. human beings, you know? Uh, I was just thinking, like, I had a, I had a client the other day who was like, I ate four pieces of cake tonight. And, you know, I think the expectation when she shared that was that I was going to be, I don't know, wag my finger or scold her or something like that. <laughs> but that wouldn't do anything because she's already done yeah. that. She already ate right. the four pieces of cake. Right. So I go, all right, cool. And so, and maybe this is, this is like, I have created a space where she felt comfortable saying, this is what I did. Yeah. Because she knew yeah. I wasn't going to come at her and be like, you dummy, why'd you do that? <laughs> We where's think, mine why didn't you bring me <laughs> right right you know so we go okay let's figure out what happened aha uh -huh. so your your mom made the cake okay mm -hmm. and you're over at your mom's place and then mm -hmm. your mom said here's some you know uh just take it home with you 
Right. And hey, look, it's your mom's cake. It's a chocolate cake. It's a family recipe. It's, you know, there's all the all these feelings and emotions and memories <laughs> yeah. connected to it. Now let's also add in maybe you had a hard day, a stressful day at work, you know, kids mm -hmm. were kind of acting up, that kind of thing. Yep. And uh, you go, oh, you know what, maybe I'll just have one piece of cake. And you go back and then you take that first bite of mom's chocolate cake and, oh my gosh, it is so good right now. And oh, after the day I've had, I'll just have one, <laughs> one more bite. And and look, cake is not very filling. It's fluffy. No, and it so, is. you know, you eat four pieces and it sounds like a lot, but really from a food volume person it's not actually that much it's just there's a lot of calories yeah. packed into that little fluffy you know exactly. yeah and so but <laughs> but but what, I, what i'm highlighting here is what we wanted to do is understand well how did you get to the place where that was that was what you did well it, it was on the counter you know there's that too it was it was right there and available um there you know she was there wasn't maybe she didn't have any other tools in the moment to sort of alleviate uh -huh. the stress of what she'd had these right. sorts of things right <clears throat> and so when we so, go okay oh go ahead yeah so, so when you come to that and you're, and you stop and you're like, I shouldn't eat this cake, but what's the, I mean, what can yeah, someone yeah, yeah. do instead, you know, <laughs> that's, and I, I mean, I they that. can't tie themselves to a tree every time <laughs> yeah. they eat a piece of cake. <laughs> well, what's really interesting is starting with the phrase, I shouldn't eat this cake. Okay. Cause it's almost like a little bit of judgment already mixed into that. Yeah. Know? And, and so what I try to, and obviously I do have some, let's call them triage solutions that I'll, that I'll share with you. But my first uh -huh. thought is, is there a way to avoid getting to the place where we're at the counter staring at four pieces of cake <laughs> and, you know, stressed out and mm -hmm. they're promising you, you eat me, you're going to feel better. And it's not yeah. a lie. If you eat them, you're going to feel better for a few minutes. Yeah. Right. But then by the time you're done eating the cake, you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? You know, and sugar crash and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But in, so that, but that talks about how our brain works in the moment. The urge to do that is so like overwhelming and so overpowering uh -huh. that it's right. almost impossible to shut down. Right. Because you could say, I shouldn't do this. Well, that's coming from the logical part of your brain that's trying to calculate the consequence of your behavior. Yeah. The, the logical part of your brain is relatively weak mm -hmm. compared. To, I've heard it described as like, an ant heading north on the back of an elephant walking south. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's exactly how I feel sometimes. I'm like getting nowhere. Yep. <laughs> oh but, my goodness. Right. That's pretty and, good. <laughs> so when you think about it though, but that that so that's how our brains are wired. We could wish yeah. that it was different. We could wish that somehow the logic could overpower the emotion. But it's like I go back right. and say, well, our brains work like that for a reason too. So right. when we were faced with a threat or danger, we didn't have time to start doing calculations like wind direction. We had to yeah. act without conscious thought. Yes. And the other parts of our brain allow us to do it. And that's why we survive. But it goes right. back to, we have this sort of primal brain, this brain that's wired for living in a hostile world without electricity and everything that comes with it. And mm -hmm. we live in this, this really foreign, almost alien like environment for our human biology. Right. It's not going anywhere. Like, obviously, look at us having a mm -hmm. podcast with these screens, you know, from <laughs> like, that's pretty cool. But we're, not wired, but we're not wired for that. And mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting we all, I don't know, build a lean to in the woods and crap in the forest. But, you know, <laughs> but if we just recognize part of the struggle comes from like the environment yeah. that we live in. And so we have right. to. But if we know that it's not going away, we're going to have to learn how to navigate this. Uh -huh. So. In terms of now, I want to bring it back because I know you wanted to ask, well, what would you do in that moment? You know, 
And <clears throat> this is where that compassionate curiosity comes in again. Mm -hmm. Here we go. So you might still end up eating the cake, but I'm just asking people to take one step back, take a slow breath for a minute. So that slow breath activates the mm -hmm. parasympathetic nervous system. So it takes two seconds, like, okay, so, yeah. that breath, so that cues activate my parasympathetic nervous system, right? Because it's the sympathetic, the fight or flight nervous system that goes, eat that cake. Right? Oh, okay. So that, that stress response with a blood sugar spike and crash goes, eat that cake. I need uh -huh. that right now because I'm stressed. Right. So we can slightly disarm that with a slow out breath. And I, I deliberately say slow breath, not deep breath, because a deep uh -huh. breath can be a, and that can be kind of a panicky breath, right? We're not looking for a panic. <laughs> yeah, just, right. We're looking for, <sighs> let it out. Okay. What am I feeling right now? I want to eat that cake. Okay, cool. Why? Well, it's going to be delicious. It's my mom's cake and I know how good it is. And I've had a hard day and, you know, the kids really got on my nerves today. And so, uh -huh. and you kind of, you know, instead of judging, you're, just, you're curious about this. Because mm -hmm. um, I mean, I could say, well, go, go, I don't know, chew a piece of gum, go brush your teeth or something like that. Like you, you can interrupt it and do those things and maybe you won't eat the cake, put it in the freezer. And, and interestingly, I asked my client, I said, you know, did you ever consider tossing the cake in the green bin? So gr green bin is like our, our uh, uh, compost bins. I don't know if you have them down there. We do compost bins with our waste collection. Okay. So yeah, we have curbside, it's cool, a curbside compost collection. And so I was like, well, you know, have you ever thought about just putting them in the green bin? She's like, well, yeah, I kind of did actually. I was like, really truthfully, what would happen if you were to do that? Um, you know, what emotions would you feel? Because of course it's a gift from your mom. It's your mom's chocolate cake and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But what we're doing is we're kind of exploring that. Like, is that an option for you? Because, yeah. you know, if you've, if you've received it graciously, if you've expressed gratitude, Mm -hmm. You've already, that was the whole point of maybe giving that to you. So that's already right. been accomplished. And now eating the cake doesn't, doesn't further that at all. So we don't decide. Yeah, we would never thought about that step that you've already thanked them for it. You yeah. know, they didn't, you know, she didn't specifically didn't say, I want you to eat this, you know? <laughs> right, right. Because right. We, we, we often use food and specific, more specifically desserts. Um, uh -huh. very commonly as a form of hospitality and yes. hey look we do this to kids right easy win have a cookie okay kid loves me like no kid loves cookies <laughs> <laughs> right like let's be so but we, we we did that i mean i have an aunt edna she's long gone now but uh -huh. um, she's my my great aunt and right. uh she would give us a coffee crisp which, that's a canadian chocolate bar i guess maybe you don't yeah you, you're missing out it's a delicious chocolate bar it's like a, <laughs> a chocolate coated kind of wafer with coffee flavoring in it it's uh it's well, really I've good. seen I've seen YouTube videos of people trying foreign sweets and stuff, and yeah. so they I saw someone doing the the crisp things. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, but so for me, when I see a coffee crisp, I think of my aunt Edna. Oh, <laughs> right. Because if I was if I was a good little boy, I would get a coffee uh -huh. crisp. Yeah. So th this is this is just another sort of. Um, I guess, complicating, mitigating factor, complicating factor is that very uh -huh. often we've developed emotional connections to certain foods. For my wife, she's from Australia. We live in Canada. Uh -huh. Well, if something reminds her of home, she's probably going to want to consume that food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mostly because it brings back memories of childhood and home. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if ever we try to, so I talk about helping people with emotional eating. But we're never going to eliminate emotional eating. We're never going to eliminate the emotion from eating because it's an inherently emotional act. Right. 
we are. So we just need to learn how to deal with it. How to navigate it. So yeah. if we try to shut down emotion, I'm like the only people who don't feel emotion are psychopaths. Or they're dead. Right. <laughs> so <You know. laughs> the uh, alternative is to be an emotional human being. Right. So another question is, well, how do we navigate this? Because even when we try to go through a transformation, like how do we navigate this in real life? Because, uh -huh. you know, I often I, I joke with people a little bit, like if they're going to start working with me, I'm like, okay. Uh, let's talk about what this is really going to look like. Because in our yeah. head, I think we have this picture that like, because you're going to work with me, you know, for example, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great coach. I, I love what I do. I'm really good at what I do. If I could just toot toot, that's me tooting my horn. Um, yeah. <laughs> but okay. So I show up with my unicorn and I've got another spare unicorn beside me and we're going to ride the rainbow bridge to the clouds and we're going to go from cloud to cloud <laughs> and we're going to coast above reality while you try to create change. Now that in our minds feels like, oh yes, I would love that. Okay. Well, what happens when we come back to reality though? Oh, gosh. Right. We're totally <laughs> unprepared. We did not learn that skill set in the place of reality. Right. So that, that would mean that we anything that I taught you in that type of experience does not stay with you because it doesn't apply to reality. So obviously, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but I think we get the right. point. Right. When it comes to doing this, we're going to do this in real life. So we're going to do this with the stresses of kids and you know, like my, my long suffering wife who gets woken up eight times a night by a, a, a child who seems insistent on not sleeping, despite <laughs> our best efforts, you know, mm -hmm. well, we're going to try and navigate that. Now, sometimes that means we're going to shape our expectations differently. Mm -hmm. So if under, let, let's say if you're a young mom, for example, and you're maybe you're nursing and mm -hmm. you're getting woken up multiple times a night and it's, it's just a lot going on. Yeah. Well, Maybe we shouldn't be trying to put you through some hardcore fat torching, booty pumping, whatever. <laughs> like you just don't have it in the tank. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> right. You don't, you don't dig yourself out of exhaustion by compounding your exhaustion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, instead, that's true. <laughs> so, but I will say this, it's easier to keep going than it is to stop and start. Yeah. So we that's go. True can we turn the dial down to something manageable for you so that we can continue to move forward? Because it's that little concept of momentum. Uh, uh, there's a Newton's law of physics. It's something like an object at rest will stay at rest until a force acts on an object in motion will stay in motion. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm trying to say with this is, is easier to keep moving if we're already moving. So yes. rather than doing this switch on off, like, Oh, it's too much. I'm too overwhelmed. I can't do this. I'm totally checking out, shutting down. We go, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I can't uh -huh. do this this way. Okay. Right. How about we adjust this? So, for example, one of my clients, you know, to try and like, again, to try and get her like to work out, like pff, she's, she's toast by the end of the day. So I said, okay, could you, let's say, put your gym clothes on? Do you have enough energy to do that? She goes, yeah, I could do that. Can you go lay on your yoga mat? Yes. Yeah, I could do that. Can you just lay there for like 10 minutes in starfish pose? You know, yeah. I just lay there and all, you know, what we're doing is we're patterning the behavior of putting on your gym clothes and moving into your activity space, uh -huh. but we're not creating demand on your nervous system. In fact, what we're trying to do is actually recharge it because right now the time isn't right for you mm -hmm. to try and, because remember losing fat is stressful. Biologically speaking, trying to lose weight goes against our biological wiring. We oh, often don't is. realize that. So it's a type yeah. of stress. We're engineering a mini famine. So mm -hmm. it's like, if you don't have the capacity to add that stress, 
to what mm -hmm. you're trying to accomplish. Okay, how do we increase our capacity? Maybe that's the first step. So we go to our activity space and we recharge our batteries instead. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that would be different for everybody, you know? Uh, absolutely, yeah. D different people have different capacities. And, and that's where this, I call it structured flexibility. Like uh -huh. there, there is sort of a guided path I take people down. It's not mm -hmm. entirely random. There's a purpose to it. But mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's kind of like having bumper rails in a bowling alley. You know, mm -hmm. they stop you from landing in the gutter. But between those bumper rails, there's a lot of ways you can throw a shot. Yeah. Yeah. So there's I a was, lot of approaches. So I was thinking. Um, so have there been times when you're working with someone and it just seemed like they're not getting it or they're struggling and then yeah. they do something and then the light bulb comes on? Yeah, this uh, that's a great question, because <laughs> in, in the coaching world, I see this where yeah. let's say someone is struggling with their client. And among uh -huh. coaches, we hear we hear coaches talk about, I'm going to fire my client. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the sign. Look, there are obviously clients that aren't the right fit. There's people that are obviously not the right fit for what I do and for my approach. That's why right. I always have a I always have a conversation with people. And it's it's not a sales pitch. Uh -huh. I don't even, I don't even sell people over the over on a call. I'm like I'm going to send you a link afterwards and let you decide because if you're going to commit I want you to have thought this through and not just yeah. make sort of an emotional snap decision. I want right. you fully fully committed. So mm -hmm. but anyways this idea of like firing a client. I'm like you're really doing them a disservice. I I understand that sometimes it can be frustrating, but if we go back and say okay, why are they struggling? Are they yeah. struggling because you are trying to tell them you have to do my method and if you don't if you can't mm -hmm. do my method get out of here because you're too much work for me. <laughs> yeah. That's not really coaching. Now, I, not. <laughs> right. So I would have an honest, con I'd be like, Hey, can we have a conversation here? So, and, and to say like, look, um, it, it really seems like you're struggling with the things that uh, we've put forward to, to work uh -huh. on. Where is it that you're struggling and where does it feel like you, you just don't have the capacity for this? Let's figure this out together collaboratively uh -huh. so that we can make the adjustments so that you can still make progress. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's figure out why you're struggling instead of just saying you're too much work. I'm, I'm ditching you. Right. So like, <laughs> always like my way of coaching isn't necessarily as scalable as other coaches who just want to create massive numbers of people pumping them through a program. But right. I've, 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 I acknowledge that, but I've made this decision to coach in this way anyways, because yes. it's how I want to work with people. Right, right. Well, that's good. I, I just think when you're working with someone and, you know, either there's not a connection because yeah. I've done this in my, my own life. Mm. And when I finally figured it out, it was like such a win, you know, for, for me as a person. And I just, yeah. that whole feeling like, wow, okay, I think I get it. You know, I think I can do this now. Now I know why he said it like that, or he wanted me right. to do it like this, you know? So I just think those are like those aha moments for people. And that's, I mean, once they get it, I feel like they're just going to be successful and they're going to yeah. be able to work through those problems. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. Like I have this picture in my head of like, maybe we're, we're, uh, I don't know, like at, at a water fountain or something. And I'm just trying to like jam my client's face in the water fountain being like, why don't you get it? Why won't you drink? Damn it. The water's right here. Just drink. Well, John, stop. 
yeah, right. Of course, there's going to be resistance, right? When we're trying to force the issue, yeah, our, our brain is going to freak out and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. So really, like, like, but I think that's that's probably like, uh, you know, obviously, it's a little bit of an extreme example, but you kind of get the idea. Yeah. Like when, when we try to do that, of course, we're going to encounter resistance because it feels frightening, <laughs> almost like frightening and very disconcerting to be like forced in that direction. And that's why they have made waterboarding illegal. So <laughs> right, right. It it does, you know, and that's not even successful, like as a technique. That's, that's the irony of it, right? It doesn't work. We'll just say whatever to get out of it. And so, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, so instead of getting mad that they don't want to drink, it's like, let's understand why they don't want to drink right now. What yeah. makes it feel like they don't have the capacity to do that right now? Right, and right. Because when they do decide in this metaphor to like take a drink, so to speak. I want them to feel like it's their decision. Mm -hmm. That's really right. empowering in the moment. If you're only right. doing it because I forced you to, how disempowering is that? Like it really, I, you know, I, I get kind of annoyed. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor dot fm to get started again it's a n c h o r dot fm to get started because i'm like that really disrespects people's human autonomy like uh -huh. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a coach i'm not a dictator like, yeah I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a tyrant I'm, I'm right. a human being that's that's working with you. I'm not mm -hmm. trying to coerce you or manipulate you or control you. That right. that that's what sociopaths do. Like we're <laughs> yeah. gonna work. We're gonna work together. Like this is. I, I treat this like this is a. I'm, I, if I sound passionate, I guess it's because I am. Like I really no, truly. That's fine. Love, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I, I love coaching. Like I, I believe I'm born to coach. You know that's yeah. why I've had so many different careers because I I just I kept I couldn't find the thing that like made me come alive until I found this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and, so when I, and it yeah. came out of a time when you, you know, when you went through your personal <laughs> experience and you were almost not here to yeah, tell the yeah. story, you know, and I just think, you know, that's just like destiny. You know, you yeah. had to go through that yeah. and it took a yeah. long time for you to be able to talk to other people about it. And yeah. so now you're sharing your, your passion, you know, because yeah. you're alive and you're healthy and you made it. And now you can share that with other people. I just think that's wonderful. So yeah. I really think like a lot of the frustration came from like a, lo a lot of the passion maybe comes from my own frustration, having been, having had people try to coach me and, yeah. and not understanding. Now, again, yeah. I go back to, I didn't know what I needed either. And so I, I feel right. as though even now, like my approach is still relatively like novel huh. yeah. in, in, in the world of coaching. Like, I don't know there's mm -hmm. a lot of people taking this approach, but mm -hmm. I hope that in sharing my story that people realize that there's another way out there 
there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, you're not broken. You're not beyond yeah. repair. It's just, right. a, we, we just need a different approach. We need to maybe reshape some expectations and, right. and give ourselves compassion and grace. Cause man, we've been through a tough time these last few years. Oh, for sure. I mean, so what, at that critical point, when you've finally started to lose your way, I mean, what, what was it for you? I mean, was it forgiving that person, you know, that had done you wrong or was it giving your wife a kiss on the cheek, you know, or I don't know. I mean, there's a a couple of things. So (laughs) I think the first thing was when I started to show myself grace and compassion. So when Mm -hmm. I stopped getting angry about my struggles, yeah, I, I didn't need to numb my emotions so much with food. Yeah. So at, it's like almost as I started to reduce the emotional turmoil I was putting myself through, mm-hmm. I re- reduced my emotional demand for food. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't need food as much. Right. Um, the The flip side of it is, of course, we also I also help people. Or I want people to try to uncover what I call an emotionally compelling reason. Mm-hmm. So we, we often go into this thing. I don't want. I don't want to be tired all the time. I don't want to feel fat. I don't yeah. want to hate you know, and so on. And I'm like, yeah. well, what do, you, what do you want? What's the thing that you actually want? You're scared to say out loud. Oh, and it's, it's funny. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, and to me, it's, fa- <laughs> it's fascinating because I, I encounter this when I start asking people, cause I observe, obviously we use a video call. So I observe body language and facial expressions and things like that. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> stuff. and I know when people are like hiding it, when they're not saying it, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't call them out. But I just yeah. observe it and I go, well, when you're ready, you're going to share that with me. But for now, we'll just put that aside. <laughs> yeah. Because we're, we're actually almost like, I think we're afraid to talk about what we truly want uh-huh. because we're afraid of the disappointment we might feel if we don't get there. Right. And so by by not speaking it, we feel as though we're sheltering ourselves from maybe the pain of disappointment. But what oh, we're actually sure. doing is we're holding ourselves back from the the joy of like fulfillment and maybe even if you don't get to what it was you said you wanted there's still uh-huh. like so much there yeah you know? yeah and, and sure. so sort of for me it was as we talked about as a you know reducing the reasons why i needed to emotionally eat but figuring out what 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 is something worth being uncomfortable for because this process is uncomfortable I would love to tell you that it's easy and smooth. It's not. It's a bumpy diff. Now, this doesn't mean it's miserable. I don't mean to say this uh-huh. is misery, but I just mean if yeah. we go into it with the right expectations, this is going to be a bumpy road. It's going to uh-huh. be difficult. We're going to have struggles. But when you have something that's like worth struggling for, we're willing mm-hmm. to to go through those struggles. I think that's that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I and I think that. Um. I mean, growing up, those things that we wanted, we had to work for them. But yeah. as this whole world has evolved and changed, things are so much easier and quicker to get a hold of. When we need to change something about ourselves, we're expecting that fast result. Mm-hmm. And I just learned that um, things that really shouldn't take that long are taking me a lot longer because I I'm such so hard headed and stubborn, you know, like, oh, I don't, mm. that doesn't right. affect me. I don't need to do that. When in fact it is the one thing I should be doing, you know? Right. <laughs> so. and, and maybe I could offer a, a slight reframe here. 
So I think we get we might get frustrated when weight loss takes a long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it takes a long time because of our biology. Yeah. If we could change mm-hmm. like this in in one direction, imagine you know how fast disease would set in? <laughs> yeah. Right. So in the same way like disease takes time to develop. It mm-hmm. because our body is so marvelously adaptive. It's mm-hmm. not like just one day you wake up, one day you didn't have diabetes, the next day you do. Yeah. It's that one day the condition becomes so prevalent, so noticeable that you cannot ignore right. symptoms. Right. But it may have been developing for 10 years. Yeah. So we're, we have these really, really adaptive bodies that have allowed us to, again, mm-hmm. stay alive. So yep. if, if I could you know, make you lose weight instantly, you could also gain weight instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the process, in my own experience, this is my own experience as a former morbidly obese guy. Mm-hmm. I can gain weight four times faster than I can lose it. Oh, for like, sure. Like that, that's, <laughs> that's actual, the aggravating part. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, like as an actual mathematical calculation. So I, I found this out in a really distressing fashion, but I could, you know, but it's an adaptive mechanism. Remember, I have the fat cells that want to be refilled. It's a lot yeah. slower to empty them than it is to fill them because fill them needs to happen quickly. Because if we have food abundance, quick, fill them up now. Yeah. But food scarcity, slow everything down and make it last. Wow. But when we're trying to lose weight, that's exactly what our body is doing. Remember, it's it's doing this from the perspective of a famine. Slow yeah. it down, make it last. Make this fat right. last as long as possible because, hey, there's a famine here. Yeah. So um, most of the people that you um, coach, I mean, are they more women or more men or do you have an equal, um, you know, amount? Uh, you know, 85% <laughs> female. Poor and <laughs> no, no, I like, and now I, of course I would enjoy working with men. I do have male clients. Yeah. But, but the, so why do you of, think you have more women than men? You well, know, because I, th- I think it's hard for men to maybe ask for help. The way okay. that I work with people, I think uh-huh. still feels really uncomfortable for men because we actually are going to deal with our emotions and women are more That's receptive awesome. to that idea. Right. Because I mean, I wasn't receptive to this idea. When, when my, yeah. my coach first back in 2017, you know, he first broached self-compassion and self-love. Uh-huh. I was like, what the heck, man? I thought you were going to help me get jacked. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I wasn't. <laughs> right. That was in my, my perception of masculinity was such that I thought that working on self-love and self-compassion and things like that, that this would somehow diminish my masculinity. And so I actually saw it as a threat. And so I wasn't going to go down that path because that was, I don't know, for, for, for weak men. And yeah, right. But, and so, and so I see it all the time, but you know, like male suicide rate is three times higher. Yes, it is. This Mm -hmm. is a crisis. Like it is shocking. The number of men that uh, I think it's something like 22 a day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that, I. That, so yeah, that's a. I mean, that is a something that needs to be addressed. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. like for me, I don't look down on men who show emotion. Right. I mean, I might look down on them if they're punching a hole in a wall, but sure. yeah, because <laughs> they're scaring the boohoo out of me. But right. <laughs> but it is something that needs. Um, it's okay to talk about how you're feeling and we, we have neglected the, you know, the men for so long. 
I can remember, you know, growing up when an example comes to mind is when someone had been like they come home from the war and they have shell shock or they have PTSD or whatever. You you told them that they had it, but you that's all you said. Right. And you never, you know, the, it's like, well, how do we help them? You know, mm. is people just look around like, I didn't yeah. hear you say that, you know. Right. Because yeah, it, it needs to be addressed. These are uncomfortable conversations is what it would, you know, and yeah. I recall, you know, because I'll say this too for anybody who who might be listening and considering like having a conversation with me to work with me. And Deb, yeah. more, people are more than welcome to. Uh, I, I always, I only have a couple spots usually open at any given time, but I, right. I'll always, I'll always have a conversation with somebody. Right. But we're, we're going to have an uncomfortable conversation, mm-hmm. but we're going to do this in a safe and a supportive environment. So we're going to talk about some uncomfortable realities that maybe for many years you've been hiding from, mm-hmm. but I yeah. want to create the space where you feel safe doing that. Wow. Yeah. I, so, I mean, what can, so what if I know somebody, you know, that um, I would want them to reach out to you? I mean, so me as a theme, you know, being a mom and a wife yeah, or whatever, yeah. I mean, how do I say, okay, because me, I'm like, you just need to go talk to this guy, right. you know, but and, <laughs> like, you know, it's such an interesting question that, that I think about too sometimes, right? Because, it, you know, you and I have now had this conversation and we formed a meaningful connection here and you get a sense yeah. of, you can feel my energy, my passion and things like that. But right. for somebody else, they don't know me from a bar of soap. Who's yeah. this rando guy in Canada you're talking about? You know, they're like, you want me to go talk to some random guy in small town Canada? Like what? You know, I know so, right? but, but I, I mean, I think if I, I would say, Hey, listen to this episode where I had this chat with him or listen to part of it, just listen to him speak, listen to his passion, listen to his yeah. story. Okay. And if, if something resonates with you and we, we use that, but it's like why I use the term resonate is because if somebody hears like parts of my story and go, I have similar elements in my own story, I think he will uh-huh. understand me. That's kind of what we do is we look for elements of our story in someone else and then we form a connection with them. And so I'm like, listen to this conversation, you know, I mean, if you've already got this far, I guess you've listened to it, but uh, you know, (laughs) just like share it with them. Be like, Hey, you don't listen to part of it. Just listen to them and see if, if you, you know, because there's something there. And I mean, I, I, yeah. So that's kind of how I'd approach it because I, I don't, I don't want to get set up on a blind date with somebody <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's awkward for both of us. Like I can, I can talk to just about anybody. I mean, as you gather, look, I've done, I've done like 150 interviews. I run three podcasts. I can talk to just about anybody, but when it comes to something as personal as like, I want somebody to be in the space where they're open and ready to have that conversation as well. And so I think listening sure. to something like this will sometimes give them the opportunity to go, okay, now that I've heard this, I feel like I know them a little bit. Now mm-hmm. I think I'm ready to maybe have that conversation with him. And if you talk right. to me, like just the way that we're talking right now, this is yeah. what you get. Like I'm not, yeah. there's no, there's no pretending here. <laughs> w- what you hear, what you see is what you get. This is who you're talking right. to. Right. There's no, there's no well, like big team or something <laughs> like that. Like some of these coaches, oh, my team is going to arrange that. You're going to talk to me, right? I'm going to work with you one-on-one. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to have this massive team and be this big deal on this pedestal. No, no. We're going to talk like two human beings at the same level. Yeah. And I think exactly. again, like that, that's so important. I think that is important. You know, like you said, because we need to connect with somebody, you know, on a more personal level, yeah. especially when we're dealing with emotions and problems and things that are holding us back. 
And if you can't connect with that person, it's, you're just wasting both of y'all's time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just think it would be good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's what I would um, say. When we're trying to create change, our brain Mm -hmm. will naturally resist this. So our brain is wired to resist change. It's a survival mechanism. It's a survival bias. Unfamiliar means threat. We avoid Mm -hmm. unfamiliar because we avoid threats. That's just your basic Mm -hmm. sort of brain biology, if you will. Right. So if we're going to try to create change and we try to do this by ourselves, change Mm -hmm. means becoming vulnerable and exposing weakness. Now, biologically Mm -hmm. speaking, becoming vulnerable and exposing weakness is a risky behavior. And it would have been for for most of human history. So now, because we wonder, okay, why in the age of Google is there coaching? Because we need to be connected to another safe human being who, while we are becoming vulnerable, they Uh have our back. And and there's a lot of that. Like in my coaching, like I've got my clients back. Yeah. Well, that's good. You you know, you're going to feel... Like, it it sounds so cliche to say, like, hold space, but it's a term we use because we don't have a better one. It just means that I'm going, when you are in the place of discomfort, when you are Mm -hmm. experiencing an uncomfortable emotion, I am not going to shut it down. I'm not going to say to you, you're not allowed to feel that. I'm not going to push it away. I'm not going to shush it. Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to try to fix it. I'm going to be with you. Mm -hmm. And we're going to connect like two human beings in that moment and sit with that emotion because we really need to cultivate this emotional resilience, the ability to be present. This is why people didn't talk about PTSD and shell shock. They didn't know it felt so uncomfortable because it felt so foreign and so unfamiliar. I do this on a daily basis. The stuff I hear, the stuff I've heard, I don't think anything could surprise me anymore. No, probably not. So, so what if you're coaching somebody and they said, well, I've gained this weight because I quit smoking cigarettes, you know? I mean, I'm sure you've heard that. Absolutely. Well, that's true. I'm like, hey, that's probably true because the cigarettes were an appetite suppressant. You take that away, your appetite goes up. It feels uncomfortable. Who wants to walk around with feeling uncomfortable all the time? (laughs) But now if you're not going to go back to smoking, if you say, Uh okay, I quit smoking, I'm not going back to that, but I want to lose weight. It's like, okay, we're going to need a different plan Uh because smoking was the appetite suppressant. We're going to have to work with this a little bit differently. And right. so I will, I will agree with them. If you say, Hey, I've gained weight after I quit smoking. Yeah, absolutely. Cause your, your appetite went up. Makes total sense. Do you want to go back to smoking? No. Okay. So now let's work together and formulate a way to work around this. So do you think that people smoke for an emotional reason? Oh, you know? So, so here, here's, this actually is a really great um, analogy. <laughs> oh, so when someone smokes, very often someone who smokes will tell you they want to quit. Yes. I want to quit. I know this is a bad habit. I want to quit. And they mean it. They mean that. They're not Uh dumb. They understand the risk of smoking. Yeah. But smoking solves a problem. So if we stop thinking about smoking as a 100% negative behavior and go, Uh hang on a sec, smoking gives you benefits. Now, we have to weigh the benefits versus the cost. And the cost is pretty significant long term. But if you smoke one cigarette, what's the likelihood you're going to die? Unless it's laced with cyanide, you're probably not going to die. I choke my choke right. my coffin. <laughs> sure. So, so in the one instance, the risk versus reward, the reward is greater than the risk. The reward yeah. of one one cigarette is much greater than the risk of one cigarette. But over time, that ratio shifts. Oh yeah. The risk of a million cigarettes is much greater than the reward of a million cigarettes. But we yeah. don't look at it from the perspective of a million cigarettes. We look mm-hmm. at it from the perspective of one cigarette, one time, 
one moment. To, yeah. Today, right now, in this moment, I need this. There's not a better solution. Just like I ate four pieces of chocolate cake. That's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, it, it makes it makes sense. So if, if we step away from judgment and stop saying like you're a dummy for smoking, and yeah. start saying, let's understand why you smoke. What is it doing for you? Yeah. Then we can start to address it. Right. Right. That's that's a good concept. You can use that um, for any little. Well, I don't want to say any little thing, because if you personally are struggling with some type of addiction or emotional baggage to you personally, that is a big thing. You know, I mean, it's your struggle. Someone else may have the same struggle, but it's it's nothing. You know, they had either worse or or whatever, whatever. Hey, if I need a break, I'm going to step out and have a smoke. But what am I really looking for? I'm looking for an escape from my current circumstances. Yeah. Even if it's just for five minutes. Now, you could go for a a two minute walk around. You Mm -hmm. could just walk a lap around the outside of your house if you have a house. Yeah. Walk up and down the stairs in your apartment building or, you know, things like that. Right, but right. There's, so there's other other ways of doing it. But if we start, this behavior solves a problem. Right. What's the problem? And what are some options? Wow. John, that is such a wonderful concept. And I can see where um, a lot of people are probably going to think, oh, duh. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think once we start having these conversations and and talking about these things, we yeah. start to connect the dots, and we go, ah, oh, okay, this is starting to make sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's what that's why I, I do have these conversations because I'm like, I more, I, I there's only so many people I can work with at any given time, and so right. I hope, right. and I mean, I have a few coaches that I trust. You know, that if I can't work with somebody because my roster's full that I will yeah. send people to as well. Right. I know we're on the same page as me, but yeah. we're, we're far and few between as of yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> well, I am so glad that um, you, um, we were able to meet up and have this conversation. And I hope that um, in the future we can, you know, talk again. Absolutely. So, so one last thing. So what, do you have anything else that you would like to add? I mean, we've talked about a lot of things, you know, yeah. just except, think, let's not talk about the nano thing. I don't. Right, you know. right, right. <laughs> uh, really, really, I would just say like, it, it starts with compassionate awareness. So mm-hmm. I use the word compassion to mean we look at this without judgment. So we look mm-hmm. at this with curiosity. Now, most of our behaviors are automatic. We do it without mm-hmm. conscious thought. So in order to create change, we have to we have to bring our behaviors into our conscious uh, awareness. Now, that can right. be uncomfortable to do because when we become aware of our problematic behaviors, uh-huh. we might feel like we might start to judge ourselves. We might start to feel guilt and shame and things like yeah. that. And that's yeah. very often what prevents us from creating change. So if we're willing to introduce compassion into the mix and say, I'm going to look at these behaviors with curiosity instead of judgment. Now Mm -hmm. I can start to create change. There's Mm -hmm. a quote that I've been saying a lot. I got, I got to figure out who said it, but it goes something like the curious paradox is this. When I accept myself as I am, then Mm -hmm. I can change. I don't know who said that. 
but that's so true. I mean, there were so many things, you know, that as a young adult, I did not like about myself. And I was, I wouldn't talk to anybody about them because I was ashamed of them. (laughs) Why would I would tell anybody else, you know? And so it caused me a lot of headache and it caused me to be in situations I shouldn't have been in. And, but now I'm like, I think that's just, that's just what it was. You know, I, I wish I had had, you know, more coping skills to deal with it, but I, I'm just so glad that, you know, you're out there, you know, talking about your experience and then how you can help other people. So, so what does your wife think about all this, all your, I mean, she's been there, you've been with her for a long time. So we've been together for 17 years. And so she's seen it all. She saw me when I was ready for boot camp, when I was fit and athletic. She saw me when I was morbidly obese. Yeah. You know, um, we, we, I'll just give her a shout out. My wife's amazing. She has been <laughs> by my side through everything. Oh, from, that's sweet. <laughs> you know, so it didn't matter whether I was obese or whether I was fit. She's by my side. She would not leave me. Even in my lowest points when I told her she could, she didn't. <laughs> She's not going to leave you. She loves you. I know. And so shout out to to every every partner in a relationship who sticks with your partner who's going through a difficult time. Um, Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, there's gold on the other side of that. Like, I'm fiercely loyal to my wife. Like, she is, Uh uh, you know, I'm with her for life. That's it. Because she's been with me through everything I've been through. And so for her, I mean, she, you know, she believed in me in doing this when I didn't believe I could do it. Because oh, you'll, yes. you'll hear me speak now and I speak with confidence because I've been doing this. I, I know now that I can do this. And I know I'm really good at it. But yeah. I was for most of my life, I never spoke with this confidence. <laughs> but she yeah, saw it in me. She was like, I, I, if only you could see what I see in you. And yeah. it took me till I was almost 40 to figure this out. <laughs> Why is it 40? You know? <laughs> well, I, I've heard this saying and it goes something like, you know, when you're 20, you worry about what everybody thinks. When you're 40, you stop caring what people think. And when you're 60, you realize they weren't thinking about you. Oh, my Lord. You should not. I don't need to hear that part. Because next year I'll be 50. I'm like, hmm, what am I going to learn when I turn 50, you know? Right. Well, I, I mean, you know, for my 40th birthday, which was only a few months back, uh, yeah. I'm recording this, my wife she secretly reached out to a bunch of friends and colleagues and said, would you send him a video message for his, his 40th birthday? Aww, and it was, sweet. it was, she, she put together a whole video. I have more than an hour of it, you know, and it's, it's incredibly touching. Some great advice. Yeah. Um, it's, it's also like touching to think of the number of people that, that, that have touched my life even. Yeah. You know, uh, I yep. feel emotional just thinking about it really. Oh Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, I would be crying, you know, yeah. even oh, if it I, wasn't for me, they might be talking about somebody else. I, I'm a sympathy crier, but, you oh, know, yeah. it's still um, it just makes you realize that even though you want to be, you know, helpful to other people, that there are more people in the world who care yeah. and are yeah. compassionate and they and they're positive. And yeah. I just feel like we just need more of that to be more accepting of each other, Absolutely. more open to dialogue um, and being respectful. Um, yeah. We can have differences and still be respectful. So 
That's funny. It so points to, uh, <laughs> well, I have one of my podcasts is called It's Not So Black and White. And oh, it's about, okay. it, it's, it, maybe it'll get, a, I might have a few edgy guests on too. Like it's, it's about having conversation because I'm fascinated by the human condition. I'm fascinated uh -huh. by how people get to where they are, how they believe what they believe. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know, hopefully I don't get shut down, but for, for some of the guests I might bring on, but you know, <laughs> but I, I, I want to have these conversations because yeah. I, you know, we talk about understanding and I think I would just say this, I don't think censorship is the answer. I think if we're going to change hearts and minds, if we try to say to somebody, because mm -hmm. I look at it from the perspective of how humans create change. Mm -hmm. So let's say we look at somebody, they, we feel they shouldn't hold and mm -hmm. we go, you're not allowed to have those views. We never addressed how they got there. We never addressed how those mm -hmm. views developed. And so if we go that way, all we do is force them even deeper. Yeah. And so we create an yeah. even bigger problem. So if, mm -hmm. you, if you try to censor, you just create, people will go to a silo or an echo chamber. But if it's like, if you can have a conversation and Hey, I don't mean, I, I don't believe I can change everybody's mind. I, you know, as much no. as I, yeah. But even if I have that conversation with somebody, maybe somebody listening who might be influenced by this person, they right. might go, hang on a sec. There's another yeah. way of, you know, seeing this, the thinking about this. And so that's why yeah. I'm willing to have those conversations. So bit of a sidetrack, but it's called, it's not so black and white. Um, one that's of my goals. Interesting. I'll have to check that one out because I'm like, I love talking to people and hearing their uh, points of view and why they mm. feel that way. And usually it's something personal. Yeah. Usually it's something that's happened, you know, either early on or, um, and sometimes when you can't have a conversation with somebody, it's because they have not learned, you know, or they have not taken the time to research. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah, I do like those kind and those types of conversations. And sometimes I talk to people and they get so mad. <laughs> you know? yeah. And, and even, I'm like, know, I'm not mad at you. I'm just curious, you know. Right. <laughs> So, and that's, that's a response from like feeling threatened. So if we feel like our sense of our, our identity is being threatened by our worldview being challenged, we will respond defensively. So, yeah. And uh, so I'll just put this out to your audience. I would love to host Andrew Yang as one of my guests, but I'm, I'm, I'm not quite big enough yet. And, and why it's not necessarily because I, I agree with everything he says, but he's a really interesting figure in that he uh -huh. started a third political party and he might be the first one to actually succeed at this. So he started, I think it's called the forward party. So it's not left. It's not right. It's forward. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I thought, well, that sounds kind of cool. Um, but I, so I've DM'd him on Twitter, but <laughs> I, obviously I haven't heard back just yet. You know, I'm not exactly, <laughs> but if anybody well, listening to this, <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm going to keep going. So if anybody here has a connection to him or, 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 or like a connection to a connection to a connection to him, like, <laughs> Hey, reach out because I mean, I, I'll have a lot of interesting conversations on the way to, cause you know, I think right now, actually, if I was to talk to him, I don't think I could. I don't think I'd be able to fully capitalize on the opportunity, truthfully, because my yeah. platform is relatively small. I mean, I have an audience of right. just, just under 10,000, right? It sounds like, right. Well, but it's tiny, yeah. you know? And so, uh, but, but when I do get to the place where I get to have that conversation with him, I, I think it'll be cool if it can reach a bigger audience and I think it'll be an interesting conversation. So I'm just throwing that well, out to the universe, you know? Well, yeah, but if he does come on your show, I mean, he's got a big audience or following. 
Yeah. They're all going to tune in to see who this coach John is all about. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, well, I, I joke that I'm a world-class coach that nobody knows about. And that, that's, <laughs> that's changing, of course. But I mean, and I, and I believe in my coaching abilities. But yeah, so that's, right. you know, and I think it's nice to know that I have human passions outside of just like coaching as well, right? Like, oh, obviously, this sure. my, it's my life's work. I love what I do. But that podcast I created literally to indulge my my morbid curiosity <laughs> with like the human human condition, really, if we could put it well, that way. Well, my know? friend and I, we want to do a podcast on true crime. So okay, what <laughs> like I, you know, same people in our county. <laughs> I, I bet you know. Here's the thing, and it's funny. I, like I've just recently joined TikTok. As at the time of recording, I have almost 50 followers. So it's a huge. I'm a huge TikTok influencer, <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, me. <laughs> but I, I saw, I think I saw a clip on TikTok and it was something like, you know, uh, women, you know, they're, they're scared by a spider, but they're going to read like, you know, they're going to watch 27 episodes of like this murderous <laughs> crime series and like, just go to sleep at night. But, like heaven forbid a mouse walk across the kitchen floor, you know, or something. It, 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 it so just, right. It, and it's like, I won't uh, kill a bug. I, my husband has to do it. Right, but right. I, will, I will watch a very, you know, violent detective show. Uh, isn't that funny how we do that? Yeah. Uh, My son I, said that if if anybody from our family comes up missing, he's going to immediately <laughs> tell him it's my fault because I uh, studied up on it. Yeah, you're, you're, you're very well researched. So, yeah. Uh, well, I, I think you should start that podcast because... Uh, and, and start it just, just purely as, you know, like I started, it's not so black and white with no expectation, you know, it's yeah. just like, this is me indulging my passion for just interesting right. conversations. And we've had some good ones. And, and at, before, at the time of recording, I have my next guest is actually a communist. And I'm like, oh, wow. I know yeah. like a legitimate, like he's an American, but he's, an, he, he has some connection to like the American communist party and he runs a whole institute around it and stuff. And so I'm like, oh, I, I got to listen to that. Right. So, so, so I'm like, I probably look, but what I'm actually looking for is I'm like, do we have any middle ground? Cause I bet he's not an entirely unreasonable human being, but it's that, how do we get to that place? Right. How yeah. do we get to there? And, and that's the, that's the, the funny thing about people and thinking is I might be one end of the spectrum. You might be on a different end of the spectrum, but and we may care about the same issues and topics. We just go about it, solving mm -hmm. them in a different way. Yeah. We and, were proposing different solutions. Yeah. I, I just think that's wonderful. Well, I have enjoyed having you on here <laughs> today. We've talked way over <laughs> well that that's the part if anyone's still listening like this this last part was just us indulging and just an enjoyable conversation you know it's been a pleasure thank you and i so appreciate you coming on and um hopefully i'm gonna check out that it's not so black and white because that's right up my alley awesome. yeah. so well you have a good night john you as well thank you <laughs> all right bye Thank you for listening to another episode of Motherhood Unfiltered is going to be okay. Please check out my website at www.nickiasherbowling.com and check out my content I have there 
other podcast episodes and schedule your free 15-minute one-on-one call with me today.